Hello and welcome to the Late Discovered Club, the podcast that aims to give late discovered autistic women a voice. We bring you real life self-discovery stories and compassionate conversations with some truly incredible women. Created and hosted by me, psychotherapist Catherine Astor, whose own self-discovery came at 42. With the behind the scenes technical expertise coming from my eldest daughter, Katie Ava. This podcast really is a mum and daughter collaboration. Welcome everybody to episode 16, the final episode in season one. And here on episode 16 is me and Katie, the mum and daughter duo together for the first time on the podcast. And in this episode, we are going to unpack season one. We're going to talk about the impact that it had on us, our stand-up moments, what it was really like editing and interviewing behind the scenes of the podcast, our hopes for season two, our key takeaways, and where we are and what comes next. Hello, it's Catherine and Katie here, and we need your help and we need your support. If you love the Late Discovered Club, you would be massively supporting the work that we do in helping to deconstruct stereotypes and give the next generation visibility of autistic women. And you can show your support and your help in three ways. Number one, become a community member or a community champion. Number two, you could buy us a coffee. And number three, you could rate and review the podcast or the episodes that you're enjoying. And this is really important that we get that visibility that the people who need to find us are able to find us. And by you rating and reviewing the show, it helps to give us that visibility. And keep listening. We've got many more stories and many more episodes to come. episode 16 of season one. It's a wrap on our first podcast season and we thought we'd try and attempt to unpack what just happened and unfolded from an idea that I pitched to my daughter Katie back in October 2022. Last autumn as I was recovering from really painful hip replacement surgery and having made some pretty big life decisions calling time on my marriage being the really big one And I also made the decision to turn down the offer to study my doctorate in psychology for various reasons that made it totally inaccessible for me. But I was absolutely determined that all the effort I put into studying for my psych master's during the pandemic, which was supposed to be the springboard to my psych doctorate, and the passion I'd then poured into my research proposal for my psych doctorate, that it couldn't be shelved simply because of where I found myself of my circumstances and my current physical ability. I knew that I had to find a way of shining a light on the late discovered autistic stories that have never been heard. So one day I rocked up to the restaurant where Katie worked and said to her that I wanted to start a podcast, that this was a way of doing the work I so passionately wanted to do. And what was your response, Katie, when I just rocked up one evening didn't I as you were at work it was yeah straight away you know you were so so passionate about it and I really wanted to be a part of it I wanted to be able to work with you to to make it happen and it was something I could do I couldn't do the bit that you do (laughs) you know all the talking and the questions and all the journalistic things I that's way out of my realm but audio was my thing so it worked out quite well yeah because I had the idea but I lacked the technical know-how so without you this would have been another idea that probably would have got shelved into the too hard too many steps to work through pile but thankfully for our listeners 
you didn't think, Katie, that this bit was too hard because it completely drew to your strengths. And that's a story in itself. And what is your story, Katie? How did you get this skill set and have the confidence at 21 to say, yep, I can do this? Well, I think my background in sound and music definitely made it so I got the skill set. I've been doing music and playing music since I could talk, haven't I? Yeah, yeah. Um, And through that just comes learning these things. I I went to music school at 16 and there you know it taught me everything about small scale recording so literally just having a laptop or a microphone and editing the audio for different purposes and things like that and music studios and things which isn't really my thing the studio bit but um recording demos and things at home is what I've always done especially through lockdown and things like that there was no option to recording big studios so it was using the interface that I gave you in the first episode to record my own songs and things yeah I had no idea what I was doing with that interface at all but can you remember can you think back to when you were finishing your GCSEs and Mm. can you remember we always used to have this uh thing of going to Betty's in Ilka didn't we for a birthday a birthday cake and a birthday treat and I remember taking you to Betty's to to help you make a really big decision because you were you were really unsure weren't you at that point 15 16 of of being torn between going down an academic route and going and doing your a-levels or going and doing a very specialist route which was to go to um, music college wasn't it in Leeds and and Mm -hmm. to do that do you remember making that decision I can it was the best decision I ever made Absolutely. I mean, I don't think a music BTEC is going to get me very far in uh, qualification, but in life skills and in technical skills that it gave me, was it was the best choice I possibly could have done for myself. You know, I really, I really struggled in um, school with pressure and academic pressure. And although I always thrived, if you look at the numbers, I think the emotional side of school was really hard for me. So making that decision to go to a university to do a BTEC in music, in popular music, and be playing music every day, recording music every day, working as a creative every day, was just amazing. Would highly recommend. Yeah, but you were part of... You were part of that cohort of young people, weren't you, who started university uh, your first year at university when you went to Leeds College of Music to do your degree in music was mm-hmm. the, the year that we went into lockdown. Yeah, we, start, we started in the September and then got locked in our halls by March. Um, and I didn't go back. Uh, I think uni was really hard for me as well. You know, I was really struggling. I got my bipolar diagnosis not long after leaving uni and yeah it was just a it's a really turbulent time as a creative I think yeah and whilst you worked on the technical bits and you brought all of that experience and all of that knowledge we had many many a late night didn't we in uh last autumn in my therapy stroke stroke office stroke uh what is now a podcast space and I started to tentatively script out a first episode to lead by example in the hope that others might follow suit and we set a deadline of getting our first episode out there by the end of the year and the night before I pressed publish on my episode I felt physically sick with fear fear of the unknown I had absolutely no idea how self-disclosing my late discovery story in such a vulnerable way how that would land you know would I get cancelled would I lose my business would others follow my lead or would the podcast stop before it even started and these were genuine fears that were going around in my head and I recorded it and and it took me it took me a lot of attempts to record that episode I realized as I was recording it 
how much I stumble in my speech, how much I uh, need, really need scripts to be able to do that. So what was put out there was many, many hours of, uh, of recording that. And I rang my friend Helen the day before uh, the podcast went live to just share my worries and my fears with her. And, and the conclusion that we came to was that with courage and vulnerability, there will always be fear because stepping into the unknown is scary and there are always risks. But what I had to draw on as I put this out into the world was that my life has been filled with multiple bold moves and courageous choices and that this was just another one that was going to add to that long list. And it's out there now, isn't it? And none of those fears came true. In fact, it's had the opposite effect on my career because some really good things have happened actually since I very publicly came out. Um, I was recently listed in the top 50 neurodivergent women in the UK by Women Beyond the Box, which I was really, really honoured to be included in that, in that work amongst all of those women doing incredible work. And we've supported more and more women in our late discovered circles. So circle five and six start next week. And we've got circle seven and eight. They're going to start in June. Um, I, I pitched a book proposal back in February to a big publisher. And um, four days after hitting send, the publisher was in touch to help me make this book happen. So I'm really hopeful in the next week or two, I'm going to be able to share a little bit more about that. And I also applied and was accepted to be a facilitator on the National Autism Trainer Programme in the NHS, part of a team of trainers training staff who work in mental health settings on all things autism. And I was actually hired as an actually autistic person to do that training. But we need to unpack season one, don't we, Katie? Because there's so okay. much that's happened since that first episode dropped back in December. We've heard 14 stories. We've had one leading employment lawyer on the show to answer our community questions. We've reached listeners in over 65 countries worldwide. And uh, your little sister, Christina, who's six, it's one of the things part of her daily routine now that she likes to do and that is to go on the the anchor the Spotify app that, that I have on my phone and look at all the countries that we have our listeners in she is fascinated by where people are tuning in from and she loves discovering new countries and hearing about new countries and ask lots of questions about about where they are and another huge milestone is we hit we hit 10,000 downloads in our first 90 days. Can you believe that? No, that's that's so amazing. Yeah. Uh, did you ever think that we would we would get 10,000 people downloading our podcast episodes when we started this? I'd hope. Just I didn't think it would be this this fast to grow. It's just it's brilliant to watch. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because we never had these conversations before we started the podcast about metrics or success no. measures, did we? No. It's really interesting that it was never driven. This whole podcast was never driven by saying we want to achieve X by, you know, in our first 90 days, we want to get 10,000 downloads or we want to be in X amount of countries because that wasn't our motivation or driver for starting it. I think even now, like, you could look at the metrics and be like, well, 10,000 is, is amazing. It's a massive number. That is success. But the success is that 10,000 people are relating or 10,000 people are gaining that knowledge or 10,000 people are sharing it. It's still not about numbers for us, you know? No, it's, it isn't. The goal, the goal was to reach people. And it's just the figure of people that we've reached is amazing yeah and we found ourselves ranked in the top 30 apple podcasts in our category in nine different countries including the uk and this week we are ranking in our category in the top five in qatar in the middle east and 
we've begun to build a community, haven't we? We've got our, we've created this mighty community space, our own online space, uh, and the option to join us to support the work that we're doing as a community member or a champion. We've got our first community champion, Helen Hillman, who joined us, and we're hopeful that we get many more champions supporting the work that we're doing. And we've received an abundance of messages. They hit my inbox every day. And so you are now, Katie, aren't you? You're not just editing the podcast. You are our community manager to help me manage things because it's become, it's just become a really big thing, hasn't it? That that side of things. It has, yeah. The amount of messages that you get, the amount of emails that I get, of people reaching out, people having ideas for the podcast or for content or what they want to see, want to share their story. It's it's massive. If you think we've reached all of those people, think of the amount of people that want to reach us. You know, it's not one, it's not um a job for one of us anymore, is it? Especially when you are you being the amazing mum that you are and the psychotherapist and the trainer in the NHS and the podcast host and the social media person. It's, it's a massive, massive weight in a good way. It's a good weight, but it can be emotional at times. Yeah, and and obviously I'm used to that world of people's emotions and I feel, I think you're very, very similar to me, Katie, aren't you, that mm. you, you have this hyper-empathy that you feel... You feel people's emotions very heavily and you feel the world very heavily. And, and I've been a psychotherapist for the last eight years. So I'm I'm used to those heavy stories, to heavy emotions, to people sharing those with me. But for you, this is the first time that you've been exposed to people's stories in that way. How, how has yeah. that felt for you? Um, you know, I've, I've not actually thought about it. I always come back to just feeling privileged, feeling privileged to be in a position where people are sharing and I can make a difference with the things that they are sharing and the things that they want to see I can help make happen. It is it is heavy sometimes and being the person who edits the stories as well, hearing them raw, mm. you know, it can it can it can be a lot, but it always seems positive. Like when even if it's a heavy story there's always a positive outcome from it because the positive outcome is creating the community or yeah making um, people more aware and we want to hear those stories don't we and this is the thing it's, it's not saying that we don't want to get them because we absolutely do want to get oh, them oh yeah because we when we talk about success measures or metrics that's the kind of stuff those messages in our inboxes they are our success measures when somebody sends an email from the other side of the world and says, I listened, I've listened to all of your episodes and I'm in my seventies and I've never heard anything in my life that resonates so much as what I'm listening to now. That's, that's what we want, isn't it? Uh, we yeah. want to hear those stories. Yeah. Somebody put a Twitter post on that you, that you showed me as I was making tea the other day and it just, it just made me cry. Was this was uh, one of our season two guests who you, yeah. you, you just emailed, hadn't you, that day and I said, we really want you to come on season two of the show. And she'd gone on Twitter, hadn't she, and put a message to say a really big thing had happened to her that day. And it, it's that kind of, it's that, that's the success, isn't it, of, of how, how it is um, creating ripples in people's lives and... So we've we've done something here, haven't we? We've dared to create something and we've created it. Somebody asked me the other day, they said to me, somebody who didn't really know me, said, did I know anything about podcasts before starting one? And my answer to them was a resounding no. And I think sometimes you can overthink things and sometimes we stop before we even get started because we talk ourselves out of things. But this is the beauty of creation. You know, it's raw, it's unfiltered. It comes from a place of passion and a commitment to want to be the change. But what I did know, although I didn't have any experience of podcasting, 
and I hadn't really listened to any podcasts before we started our podcast. But what I did know was that I was capable and I had the skill set to tell these stories and that you had the technical know-how. And here we are. So if we start, Katie, with, with the impact that season one had on you, what did it do for you, season one? I think the biggest impact that it had on me was giving me lots and lots of knowledge about people, about women, about women who are like me, about women who are like you, um, and the experiences that they've had. I think watching you as I've grown up not know that you were autistic and the struggles that came with that, and then watching you discover that about yourself and watching you create the life that works for you and say no to things and ask for what you need a lot more. Um, That's been so, so impactful. And I've seen that in everyone else's stories. And I'm the first person to listen to them. You know, I I get everything. And it's so impactful to be in my little world surrounded by all these amazing women who are making those changes in their life and who are understanding themselves and who are working to do that. It's really, really, really had an impact on my life. I think it's it's made me discover a lot about myself too. I wrote a little piece in our in our newsletter about how I think I'm autistic, but I'm not sure I really ever picked up on it when I was little because you were autistic and we did a lot of the same things. It was just me and you. So I've always had an amazing woman to look up to that needs the same things as me. Yeah, and it's not until you it's not until you're not in those environments that you need that you recognize that you need when it really starts to become apparent that this is not an environment for me to thrive in. Absolutely. I started living with friends and moved in with a boyfriend and things and just everything that wasn't our little systems of doing things and our sensory safe home. (laughs) It was difficult and it's an adjustment, but I'm just glad that I have all these examples in front of me. But work, I mean, work came up, didn't it? The workplaces that we need, it's one of the questions that we asked our guests in season one about recognizing the environments that you need to thrive in and you got to that point didn't you as as we started this podcast you you got to that point in January I did I um I quit I quit my job as a manager in a restaurant a restaurant bar and I've worked in hospitality for like five years it just got too much the the sensory overwhelm and the lack of sleep um all the people who were talking about um, rejection sensitivity and how through no fault of my own, it was just complaints all the time and people really angry at you all the time and not being able to fix it and being rejected in that way. It was so emotionally draining. Yeah, there were many times when you rang me in tears, didn't you? Or uh, you'd, you'd had a day where these things had happened and and it was just emotional overwhelm it really was um and although I loved some parts of it it just wasn't sustainable for me I think I could do it if it was part-time and it wasn't management but you know having all of that weight and having to be the person that smooths everything over when you're so overwhelmed is just it's it's a lot so it didn't work for me so I managed to be freelance and take the podcast on, take music stuff on. Um, well, yeah, let's not take... forget that you also have, you, you're in a band. I mean, the music mm-hmm. that's on season one is is from Allura, isn't it? It is, yeah. So yeah, I do, I do a lot of playing, a lot of recording. I've got an EP coming out on the 23rd and a big gig in Leeds on the 26th. It's allowed me to do so much more of that, so much more of what I I actually love to do. And now I'm just picking up odd odd, odd little freelance bits. I've got a job at Ashford Literature Festival over the summer. And yeah, it's just that's the impact that it's had on had on my personal life, I think. 
But that's huge. I think at 21 to be able to recognize, because you've probably heard in all of these stories of, you know, I wish I'd have known this about myself much sooner because Mm. it would have enabled me to make very different choices for myself to make those adaptations and adjustments that that I need and you've done that at 21 you've 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 put your needs to the forefront and you've said this doesn't work for me in this way and all of those shoulds that we have don't we about what we should be doing and the milestones that you should be at you know leaving university and making that decision of where you were at was was a decision that you made at that time it was the right thing for you at that time and the decision to leave your job in January was the right decision at that time for you and as you say being brave and really uh, nurturing your needs means that you've opened up an entirely different world for yourself and you can design a world of work that that works and there will be so many reasons why so many of our guests end up in a situation where they're they're going to self-employment because mm-hmm. because of all of those reasons yeah it's such a privilege to be able to do that and to be supported and to be given the opportunity to do things like this so that I can do that just think of the next generation of women they won't be getting to 21 they won't be getting to 40 you know they'll be understanding that about themselves and carving that life yeah and not putting their nervous system in the position that that so many of our guests um have found themselves in what about you yeah well I I think the impact season one had on me I mean I I just feel like you I think privileged is is the word that people put their trust in me to share their stories because apart from my story and maybe one or two people who I'd reached out to I didn't we didn't have a um we didn't have a a full schedule did we for season one Mm -hmm. Uh, when I pitched this to you I I remember saying well I think I think I could approach this person and this person um so yeah I think the impact for me is is people putting the trust in me to share their stories and you know there's there's every single story has touched me in some way and there have been some really tearful times throughout the interviews where I could feel myself welling up as my guests were sharing their most memorable moments because as a therapist I I don't I don't get the opportunity to to well up in that sense you know because I'm I'm a therapist and I'm holding that space but in the podcast it's it's slightly different because it's more this isn't just about the person in front of me this is you know it's a conversation it's it's two people sharing bits of themselves and the guests who have come on have helped me tremendously because as I've been listening to their stories as I've been holding that space for them they've also held that space for me and there's been bits as we've gone through season one where I've started to share things about my story and I think being a therapist is always a I think it's ingrained in me there's always a hesitation of when somebody's in front of me and I'm holding that space that space is entirely 100% about them you know it's never about me and and I very very rarely get to talk about me I very rarely get to talk about my story so it's been really impactful for me for that reason um and I think Cara's interview in, in episode two was was so emotional, as was Tony's in episode three. Um, I really felt the vulnerability for uh, some of our guests, for Crystal, for Laura, for Becky, for Victoria, for Hazel, who came on and very publicly shared their discovery for the first time with us and our listeners. And, and I was blown away by the change that so many of our guests are leading you know, the work that Cara's doing with neurodiverse sport, Hazel with her Chinese autism charity, TC, and the work that she's leading around wanting to tell different stories and her Too Autistic for Black documentary. Um, Kate stood out, the work that she's been doing for 10 years um, for autistic families in Bristol. 
Tony, I mean, she she has got so much passion for change. Um, her podcast, Autistic at Forty, uh, is a is a really great podcast. If if any of our listeners haven't listened to it yet, and the work that she's doing to try and create a community, uh, her autistahood community, and Becky, you know, Becky, the detective inspector who came on on episode six, and the work that she's leading in the police around neurodivergence. Eliza, she was talking about how we should be embracing quitting more. It was a really refreshing thing to hear. And I was hugely inspired by the fact that she wrote a book and it was a Sunday Times instant bestseller. Andrea in episode three, she again talked really vulnerably about the challenges that drove her out of the workplace. Um, and and she she described... Uh, what a meltdown looks and feels like for her. And we had Charlotte in episode 10 talking all about the trauma that she's experienced in her life and, and how she's healing by helping others by, by now creating her own community. And then there was Morgan, wasn't there? Morgan Harper Nichols in episode eight. And I have been a fan of Morgan's work, of Morgan's poetry, of her artwork, the colorfulness of her artwork for so long so when we got that message I remember uh ringing you up straight away didn't I <laughs> when a New York agent reached out to to me to get her on the show had a real pinch me moment that we've created something here haven't we a platform that others want to come and share their story people want to come out on our podcast they want to share that level of vulnerability and, and I just can't believe that I get to do something, that I get to interview people, just like as a therapist, you know, the people who I work with inspire me with their courage, with their vulnerability, with their strength. And it's no different on the podcast that I get to interview people who genuinely inspire me, who, who have inspired me throughout season one. And I was really grateful to Gunnar Cook and Ed for giving their time and expertise in episode 14 to come and answer our community questions around uh, neurodivergent affirming and inclusive workplaces and to hear some of Ed's late discovered story too. And one of the things that I really loved about season one that we're going to continue into season two is we ask all of our guests don't we, a question about a, a compassionate message that they would give to them to their younger selves and each and every single message has been so powerful as as people have have talked through those messages in the interviews it's given me goosebumps so I think I don't know if you can do this Katie but we need to um I'm just hitting you with this now but <laughs> we need to try and collate them all and put them all together like a bit of a compilation yes do you think we could do that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it would be really that. powerful to hear all of those messages stacked up together. Because um, it's it's advice, isn't it? And for all the parents out there and all the younger autistic people out there to, to hear these messages. Yeah, so powerful. And I, I wanted to share, I mean, we have, we have had loads and loads and loads of messages and I wanted to share some of the messages that we've had from uh, people who have been listening to the podcast. So I'm going to I'm going to read some of these out because some mm. of these will have been missed because they've either come as emails or people have left reviews on the website. So shall I read some of these out from yeah. season one? Hi, I listened to your podcast last night. Wow, it was like you were describing me and my life. I cried a little, but most of all, I felt powerful rather than powerless, which I felt for as long as I can remember, just masking till I burn out. I'm a late discovered woman and how I wish I'd heard women talk about their experiences years ago. Thank you. I've just listened to your podcast. It's amazing. Thank you so much for being open and honest and for being able to explain things so clearly. I resonate with so much of what you shared. The muddled words and pronunciation is such a problem for me. I think this would be a great podcast to share with my family, my friends and my work to help explain my experience. I'm very muddled when I try to explain it for myself. This was like listening to myself with a different voice. Such a great idea to change the narrative and reduce stigma. 
will be sharing with other women, particularly those that I support in the workplace. I just listened to the first episode of your podcast and I cried through the last half of it, not just a little teary-eyed, but big, wet and loud sobs. I felt seen, heard and understood. I've always known that I'm different, but I didn't know why. I've always felt that there's something that I want to tell the world, but I struggle to articulate what it is that I want the world to hear. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm 65 and still on a journey of self-discovery. More tears here. I feel so seen. I'm 38 and currently waiting for an assessment. Sensory overload, masking, safe foods, a lifetime of feeling like a square peg in a round hole, and forever being told by GPs that it's social anxiety and depression. It all began to make sense to me a few years ago, and it's only now that I'm finally being kind to myself. I can't wait to hear more from the podcast. Thank you so much. I mean, there's so many here. I'm just flicking wow. through some of these. A review that was our first review that got left, uh, a masterclass in vulnerability. If the first two episodes are anything to go by, the rest of this podcast series is going to be incredible listening. I related to so much of what was shared, way more than anticipated, actually. And whilst it seems too easy and trite to say, I feel I, and I felt seen, it's the only suitable response. Bravo, Catherine, for your bravery and desire to help make life better for so many of us who are misunderstood. Wow. Yeah. I had coffee with a friend this morning and shared my diagnosis. She was lovely and I just felt so much more authentic having done so. I think being part of this group support circle and your podcast have helped me feel brave enough in coming out. As a late diagnosed autistic woman with ADHD at age 47, I'm so grateful to hear other women who succinctly describe this feeling of being different from others within and being on a forever quest to find out why that is. I love the radical and bold idea of openly and unapologetically accommodating for oneself whilst learning self-compassion. Thank you. Such a powerful and life-affirming podcast that helps late discovered women feel seen. Each episode is powerful and resonates in some way. Each episode helps me feel more comfortable and at peace in my own skin. Thank you for these wonderful conversations that help women feel seen, heard and valued. Hello from sunny Sydney in Australia. A friend sent me a link to a late discovered podcast recently and I'm hooked. Thank you so much. Every time I listen to a woman who's been through it, I feel so viscerally seen. We've all been through so much. Representation matters. I love listening to this podcast. Catherine has a very soothing voice, very easy to listen to. So far, I've loved the guests and especially also want to say thanks for having women of colour on. I'm a late discovered 37 year old and a woman of color representation matters so much glad to see different women represented I mean I could I could keep yeah going on there's loads there isn't there so let's move on to standout moment in season one what was your standout moment in season one for you Katie um there's two there's two stories that really really resonated with me the first was Kara's the second was TC. I think Kara's, especially because because of the bipolar story and how closely I relate to it. Not not the misdiagnosis as such, but I think the way that she related to both at a time, uh, both the autism and and that and the medication. It was it was a standout moment for me as something really 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 vulnerable. And TC when she was talking about family about when she was talking about unsure of whether she'd have children because of how she felt about the way that she'd experienced the world and the way that the world had, had um, experienced her. And I think they were just the most vulnerable, hard-hitting things for me that I really related to and that struck a chord with me. But I don't think that there, there was an episode that, that didn't stand out for me. Yeah, they, they all, they were they all, all stood out in their own way, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and I think there is there is an episode that most people would relate to in some way or another. I think that's the beauty of it. But yeah, I just they're all amazing. 
I've just been in awe of everyone that's that's come on and yours as well. I think a standout moment. We always talk about the guests. We never really talk about you, and that was amazing. The uh, episode that you did. I'm really proud of you for sharing your story. Mm, thank you. It's definitely a standout. And I think being the first person on a podcast to share your story so vulnerably in that way. I can I can put myself in other people's shoes of our guests when they come on and how it feels that that pit in your stomach that nervousness how it feels to come on and share something so vulnerably about you and and I think we picked up on that actually in Hazel's episode because she does all of this advocacy work and and all of our guests you know they're all doing something um, in terms of advocacy and creating those spaces for other people to trying to find solutions for the things that don't exist and so often the people who are doing the advocacy it's like the therapist you know you're not the person who gets to share your story or people want to hear your story because you're so focused on other people so just to give that that space for everybody to to center people and to center people's stories. But yeah, for me, I think the impact for me, it really struck me that so many of our guests and I and I talked about it in my first episode, you know, we all talk about the dark places that we found ourselves in, uh, particularly at the point of self-discovery that for many of our guests, we've reached crisis point throughout our lives or we've reached crisis point and you know, having this self-discovery is is a uh, is a complete is a complete changing point in our lives. Um, also, the barriers to accessing a diagnosis. Obviously, every story is different, but there were there were themes, weren't they? In in diagnosis, there were themes in um, workplace uh, accommodations, inclusivity. Uh, there's just so much that needs to change. Um, and what was it like editing the podcast as the editor of, of the show, Katie? How was that for you? It was a learning curve, definitely. I've never really edited conversations before. And I think when we recorded the first episode, we didn't really know what editing would look like. But, you know, your sugar was stumbling over words or re-recording things and doing that section again or saying that word again or just doing the question in a different way an editing process is what we needed because you needed the freedom to just be to tell a story yeah there's no way I could have gone on to somebody else's podcast and shared my story I, I just couldn't have done it I don't I still don't think it would be a step too far for me to to freely talk like that um it's it's, it's a massive ask to be able to articulate something straight away in an environment that you're not comfortable in, especially something that uh, vulnerable as well. So I think I I know how to edit you now. I know when you're about to pause. I know um, if you're in the middle of a question and you say, um, <laughs> you want it gone. So, you know, yeah. It, it, yeah. And it's not about changing stories or changing the way that we sound, but it's having that fallback of you know it's a it's okay if you're emotional for a second like you can take a few minutes it's not live I can cut it out later but also that emotion it, it must be a really hard thing when you're editing to work out which bits of the emotion that you keep in and which bits you don't absolutely when, it, when a pause feels too long when a pause feels exactly right and I think to be able to do that I mean that is that, that is such a skill set, isn't it, to be able to do it? Yeah, I don't ever edit like a passage that somebody says. You know, I don't take out full sentences or things that they were meant to say, but they're often really long. They're often like an hour and a half long, and um, we try to keep it to an hour-ish, under or over. There's there's a lot of information, and I know I find it hard to listen to something if it's not smooth, if it's not concise, if it's not if it was a two hour long conversation, I'd find it really hard to 
take away everything I needed to take. So removing those pauses and just moving everything over just makes it makes it easier. And especially when it's so emotional, mm. you often forget that you are being recorded. So it's, it's, it's really good and it's really vulnerable. But it does just help to have the final product that is smooth, that is communicative. Yeah. And and it goes to show, doesn't it? I mean, this obviously the podcast is about is about sharing our stories. It's about speech, isn't it? It's about how we convey that. Mm. Um, but I know for me, I, I prefer to write things down, which is why having a script really works in a podcast, which is why I don't want to be filmed whilst I'm doing this because I do I do need a script and I do lose my train of thought. And that feels, that vulnerability feels okay with you. I know that you're not going to judge me for hearing me lose my train of thought or for having too many ums or ahs, that that that's okay. And that I know when I recorded the first episode of season two last night, I, um, I was talking and I completely, I forgot how old I was. Uh, and, and I was saying to the guests, I, I can't remember how old I am. That happens to me a lot, doesn't it? Can you remember when we went to Iceland <laughs> yeah. before the pandemic and you noticed how many times I cannot recall information? Like it'll be the most random thing. You'll be in the middle of a sentence and you're like, I, I cannot remember what this thing is called. Yeah. Yeah, it happens a lot in conversation. So being able to write things down, but that's the beauty of editing, isn't it? That it is. you can you can do that and you can create something that people enjoy listening to. Yeah, it's it's never content. It's always to make people feel more comfortable. You could you could talk, you could pause, you could say something again, you could sneeze. It's okay. Like it'll you've got me as a fallback. Yeah, and that and that really makes all the difference. It really does. What was it like actually doing the interviews rather than editing them? Yeah, well, for me, it it honestly it feels like doing a Zoom therapy session. That when I schedule these podcast interviews in, it it's like an extension of doing a therapy session. And I did three years on the radio, and and I really enjoyed doing those three years on the radio. So it's a combination of feeling like you're live on the radio and doing a therapy session. And I think that diving into people's stories, it's what I'm good at. So doing a podcast interview on Zoom really, really does feel like an extension of that. Um, and I wanted to make, uh, as the interviewer, I wanted to make our podcast and our guest experience as comfortable as possible. So there was some real thought that went into designing the format to reflect that. And, you know, I've been asked to go on podcasts in the past and I have turned those opportunities down. I've turned opportunities down. I got an opportunity earlier in the year to um, to go and deliver a, a talk in a to a big audience uh, in person. And there were so many reasons why it didn't it didn't feel like that would suit my skill set or suit my needs but this this is something that works if we get all of those elements that go into the guest experience right so sticking to a format of questions um I'd not really listened to any podcast before we started this podcast so I didn't really have anything to it, it wasn't that I was comparing it or creating something of something that I'd listened to this was about well I need to know if I'm going to be doing a podcast episode a week, knowing how my brain works, I'm going to have to stick to a format of questions and realizing that it helps me. Well, it's going to help our guests then if they know what questions they're going to get asked before the uh, interview, they can prepare, they can script it all out. They know they get those questions out in advance so they can prep as soon as they come on and we, before we start recording, you know, I say to every single guest that 
we are not, um, even though we're recording this on Zoom, we're not taking the video. We're only taking the audio from this conversation. And that instantly takes the pressure of being on film away. It means that you can read your notes. Um, you can look wherever feels most comfortable so you don't have to maintain eye contact. You can be looking wherever you want without anybody seeing what's happening behind the scenes. And these are all these are all small things that make a really uh, big difference. And I suppose in addition to that, just making sure that if anybody has any specific adjustments or accommodations that they need to take part, that we're able to accommodate those. And the interviewing during season one, I, I've managed to, to weave them into my, my week. But with season two approaching, you've you've really you've you've helped me hugely haven't you by scheduling season two and taking all that scheduling um out of my inbox and you managing that whole process so really all I have to do is turn up and do the interviews and we're going to try and or we are going to record season two in fewer days but do more interviews in in fewer days yeah it seems it seems a lot easier to do it that way it also makes it easier for me because I can edit in bulk it's it's it's, go, it's going good season three is already kicking off season one hasn't even ended <laughs> season yeah. three season two season two yeah <laughs> so what are your hopes for season two Katie I think I love how in season one it's been very much about people themselves which obviously it will be in season two but I'd really like in season two to focus on like specific issues especially after having all of the messages and things about things that people experience and that people want to hear I think things like menopause things like misophonia um really like specific issues that somebody knows a lot about um I think that would be really valuable yeah and age is another one isn't it age as well yeah from from both ends of the spectrum of of the we've had people saying I really want to hear more people who are much older who discover very much later on in life yeah I'm just looking at our audience demographic actually of who who's been listening in terms of age yeah vast majority are 35 plus Mm -hmm. And that's because the majority of our stories so far have been have been thirty five plus. But late discovery, uh, I mean, we've we've defined late discovery as being getting discovered as an adult. So that's eighteen plus, isn't it? In season two, then we're we're going to continue, aren't we, with the same format? We've added an extra question in around um, mental health. You know, kind of the the co occurring stuff that happens to try and explore that a little bit but the stories that you have curated for season two that we decided on and the people who we've invited on for season two we've chosen them because of of these different themes haven't we of some of the themes Mm. that we want to to focus on absolutely we've got some amazing people coming on to season two I know it's exciting isn't it and I and I really hope that in season two we can shine a spotlight on so many more stories and contribute even more to deconstructing that stereotype and giving the visibility that our next generation need to see and I really hope that for those women who listen for whom self-disclosure isn't an option currently for them that these stories that they become the lights of hope on their own dark runway and that they help them to to everybody who's listening to help you rediscover rediscover you so quick roundup then of season one what was your biggest takeaway key takeaway Katie from season one community and how and how important it is I think the biggest thing that people say is that if they'd have known sooner, they would have made accommodations and adjustments and saying no, all of these things that we've been talking about the whole way through. And the way that you you would know is creating community, changing the narrative, 
getting the research you know this this is research this is all of these stories and it helps people to recognize it within themselves and discover that about themselves and we can't do that without community and then it's the emotional support the the messages throughout throughout the mighty community of people sharing people supporting it's the way that change will happen I think yeah it's such important work for me we've got to find a way of making this podcast sustainable because like you say this is research and we are doing this but in terms of of you know the bigger picture and how do we make this sustainable there's there are there are those big questions aren't they and mm. and I think funding is something I want to tap on and um, tap into here because I have self-funded this this project so far and in order to take you on Katie and, and manage the community and all the incoming stuff that's coming in every single day and to edit because like you say it's not just the editing is it? it's the community management I, I've taken on uh, additional work uh, consultancy work over and above my therapy work to to support that to be able to to pay you for the work that you're doing and we've we've tried to create haven't we in season one we've we've set up our community membership so people can join as a community member they can join as a community champion to support the work that we're doing we've got the buy me a coffee and things like that and they're all great but that that's dependent on the community that we're trying to support supporting us uh, and we've we've got to looking forward to make this sustainable we've got to find a way of perhaps getting some sponsorship for the show for season two um maybe for some of the episodes individual episodes maybe for the whole season and it's got to be somebody whose values speak our values um and it puts us in a position so I, I've talked about this big vision with you, haven't I? I think I yeah. put a little slideshow together and said, right, this is my big vision for the Lake Discover Club. And, and it's so much more than just the podcast. And it is so much more. I mean, what we're creating here is, is a community. It's, it's so much bigger than just the podcast. But there's so many questions in there that the how you know, how do we structure this? Do we do we set up a charity? Do we create some kind of community interest company? Um, how do we fund it? Who do we get to, you know, who's the team who would help us to do this? Um, how how would I how would I get the startup cost to uh for a website? All of these questions. Who would mentor me to do it? I mean, these it's a big next step, isn't it, to create this big picture, this big vision that we have. So that's that's where my head is as we go into season two, that we've committed to season two and we're doing it. And I've committed to taking on more of this consultancy work to fund um, and support you to do it. <clears throat> but we've got to find a way of making this more sustainable. We do. We do. And the sponsorship is the way. Yeah. And we're not talking about random ads here, are we? We're talking about... Oh, no, no an organization and and the thing is is that we've had messages from organizations of people saying to us we found the podcast so interesting and we've shared throughout our organization or it's something that we get our uh, people to listen to now and I think well there's got to be some value in that there's got to be some value in in the work that we're doing to just cover cover our time costs um of what, of what we put into this because we can't we can't continue to work for free um going forward and a, and and a book I, there is definitely there's a book potentially um that's going to get written this year and I can't wait to share more about that but what about you Katie for what where are we and what's next for you what do you want to share I think community things mm. are where I where my visions are like our little newsletter that we do um I've started doing an artist neurodivergent artist on there like giving people platforms and building that community of different 
different types of things, just all things of women who are going through the same things and being able to share the high points and that and share work, share art, share stories, everything. So that's something that I'm really passionate about. And in season two, I really want to include other people's music, not just mine. So I want to include any music from neurodivergent art artists. And yeah, I just, I don't know, I just want to carry on. I just want it to build. I just want to help people. I know, and there's this, so much, isn't there? So much that we could be doing. Um, but the, the fact is that we've started this and we are doing. Mm-hmm. And so tell tell us when season two starts. When when can we expect the first episode of season two to drop? So the first episode will be out on the 5th of May. The 5th of May. The 5th of May. And we'll run all the way till the 18th of August for season two. So we're going to have a few weeks where we're not putting any episodes out. This episode that you're listening to now is our final episode of season one, and we're going to have a little break. So I just want to finish this episode, Katie, by saying thank you. Thank you for collaborating with me. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. Thank you for always being an amazing sounding board listening to my my ideas and um making them happen because I've never had I've never had that in my life of anybody coming on board and collaborating with me in that way and there's been lots of ideas that I've had in my life that have got shelved because of they're too hard to start on my own so thank you no worries thank you for letting me have this opportunity and to be part of something that you're so passionate about. Flames to you.